Welcome, friends, to the Freedom Cast. You are not the crazy one. Not quite a podcast, but rather a kick of confidence to pursue real freedom in your life and not the false manufactured freedom of this world. My name is Jody Meschuk, and I am super excited that you are here and a part of a community of sovereign human beings. Listen, if you've been called crazy, you are not alone because I've been called crazy for 13 years talking about truth. We are going to dive deep into some controversial things. Not sure why they're called controversial when they're truth, but we're going to dig deep into them. Some hard things we're going to talk about some things that might step on some toes, and you can take what resonates with you and leave the rest behind, kind of like a buffet. My goal is just for you to feel less crazy because you're not. Truth is not subjective, but people are. Even though you know, hmm, others still don't. Where the everyday mama meets uncompromised truth and where your small apprehensive no becomes a strong and resounding hell no. Let's get into it. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Freedom Cast. I'm your host, Jody Meschuk, and I am really excited to have, well, actually excited and honored because it's a story um, that I think will touch many people and a lot of what is happening in the last 18 months just coming to light even more. Um, This is Tom and Vanessa Romero. So I really appreciate you guys hopping on today and sharing what has happened to your own family through all of this. Um, I look back even in March of 2020, and I'm not sure how you guys were feeling back in March of 2020. I'm sure we'll get to that. But I just remember thinking as I was watching all of those videos and, you know, what was coming out of New York and, you know, all of the fear and all of the hospital info, And I just kept thinking, man, this is not good. This is not going to be good, right? Because you have a medical system that really is there and should be there to protect us um, and advocate for us. But I feel like it's absolutely a 180 degree opposite of that, of what we've seen in the last 18 months. So I would love for you guys to start out and share um, and just give the listeners kind of um, a backstory of what has happened and no time limit. You take as long as you want. Sure. <laughs> well, the other day, um, well, first of all, I just want to um, just say that I know that our story is probably not unique and that there are other stories out there and our story has a positive outcome. And we're just so incredibly thankful for that. But, you know, as you know, Jody and your listeners know, people are losing their lives right now. And families are losing people that they love and care for. So um, I just want to make sure that I, that I start out by uh, saying that. But um, I um, posted in a private Facebook group, which Jody was in, just sharing about our family's positive outcome with um, monoclonal antibody treatment. Both Tom's dad and my dad, who are in their mid-late 70s and are would be considered high-risk um, both of them recently came down with COVID. Both of them were treated with the antibody treatment and both of them recovered relatively quickly after receiving the treatment. Uh, what's interesting about it is that Tom's parents live very rural, way up north in Minnesota. And my dad lives in the Twin City area where there's access to more 
um, healthcare options, obviously, but um, Tom's dad had no trouble receiving the treatment. In fact, his doctor uh, prescribed it and he got his infusion and carried on. And literally within, you know, about 24 hours, he was talking about hitting the golf course again as retired people do. (laughs) My dad's story was a little bit different. We knew how Tom's dad had responded. And so we were, you know, we were like, okay, we've got to get this treatment for my dad too. And he was a few days behind Tom's dad in terms of getting COVID and getting sick. So um, we just started to do what most people do is get on the internet and search, right? So where can we find this treatment for my dad? And came across a few different resources that um, offered database engines or, you know, search engines where you just plug in your zip code and then you find out who has this, you know, who has this therapeutic um, near the patient. And so between Tom and I, I, I mean, I think we made a dozen phone calls, right? We called all the local hospitals and the response from most of them were either we don't have it or we don't know what you're talking about. So um, wow. we decided let's try taking him physically to an emergency room and what they say. (laughs) Um, But I said to Tom, do not leave my dad's side, right? Like, do not leave him in there. Don't just drop him off and leave him in there. We pulled up all three of us together in the car, but Tom actually went in, you know, and there's signs that say that you have to wait outside and you can't go in. And, but I'm like, do not, do not leave him in there by himself. So um, uh, fortunately, he's hard of hearing, so I, I just kept saying, you know, I I want to answer the questions to make sure that you get the right answers, and they uh, admitting let me be there and answer the questions with them, and then they let us go and meet with the triage nurse, which was kind of the next step, and then they did say when we we're going to meet with the triage nurse, you know, after this, I'll have to have you go back out to your car, uh, but we'll get the some more questions answered here before that happens. So well, you keep continuing with the story because I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't, I was waiting in the car. <laughs> yeah. I just so knew we, that Tom would be, you know, Tom can be quite stoic and very unemotional. So mm-hmm. um, that's what you need. You know, sometimes you need yeah. somebody that can just be matter of fact and say, here's why we're here and here's what we want yeah. and leave it at that. Right. So I wait in yeah. the car and he goes in with my dad. So, yeah. So I just answered the general questions. Uh, we were pretty sure that he had COVID uh, others in our family had recently gotten it. And so uh, after admitting, we were, we were waiting in the waiting area for maybe five minutes or so. And then we got in to meet with triage and that was just out on the other side of the door from where admitting was. Uh, the triage nurse had uh, Vanessa's dad, Ray, sit down, and then I kind of stood there by him. And in this area, there happened to be the one triage nurse that we were talking to, uh, one other hospital, or two other hospital uh, personnel. Uh, one was a nurse, and I just got the the vibe that the nurse was the boss of the triage nurse that we were talking to, and then one other nurse or doctor uh, in that room. And then there were also two security people. And so it, was, it wasn't like they were all listening in. They just happened to be in this space where we were in this next step in the process. And so we went through the symptoms, talked about the fact that he um, probably had COVID. He had tested positive for COVID. And I said, uh, you know, we're here to get him monoclonal antibodies because we saw on this 
state site that this is one of the locations that provides them. And the triage nurse looked at me like he had no idea what I was talking about. And he said, so, you know, how, how did you end up here? And I, I said, well, I was on this Minnesota state website. Um, I don't remember the name of it. It was from the state department of health. Yeah. yeah. And so he said, oh, that's interesting. Cause we don't, we don't have any antibodies here. And he turned and he looked at the nurse uh, behind him and he said, you know, do you know anything about it? And she said, no, uh, actually, we just had someone here about 15 minutes ago that had been directed <laughs> to our hospital for the antibodies as well. We don't provide them. We don't know who does. Uh, matter of fact, I've spoken to a couple of our doctors and they absolutely won't prescribe them. And I said, all right, well, you know, here, here's Ray. He's sick. He, he fits the demographics for what would qualify him for the treatments. He's in the window of time. He's 77 years old, has some pre-existing health conditions. And they just said, well, you know, we don't, we don't use antibodies here. We don't know anything about it. We, we have no guidance for you. And so we left the hospital. And uh, once we got in the car, called a couple of other places that it was a very similar mm -hmm. story. Like you, you were one of the locations that supposedly has them. They came back and said, no, we don't have them. We never have had them. I, I don't know what or you're we've talking never about. heard of them. What yeah. kind of, can you tell me more about is. this treatment? What, what, is, Regeneron? what is it? <laughs> you're educating, you're thinking, educating the healthcare nurses. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking we're, we're in the, the most talked about health condition situation, at least in my lifetime. Uh, and these Mine are too. supposed to be, yeah. And these are supposed <laughs> to be the supposed experts in our areas. I mean, even if you're not a, a a frontline medical doctor, you should at least have an understanding of Available some of the treatments, treatments that are going yeah. on. So you can answer basic questions when people are coming in and these uh, nurses and other uh, healthcare people just, I mean, it was really disappointing to see their ignorance around this mm -hmm. specific topic. Right. And so we, we took my dad, you know, we got in the car, I went back on to the three different databases that I had pulled up on my phone and, you know, kind of was checked, you know, we called this one, who did you call? Who did I call kind of thing? And we said, well, let's just take him home because he's not feeling well, <laughs> obviously we don't, you know, we're not going to drive around and go to 17 different healthcare, you know, clinics and, and hospitals and what have you. So it just so happened that in a, in you know, there's like the national infusion database, there's a, a federal government database, there was a state government database, you could go on the Regeneron site, and they had a database, you know, like, we, we were looking at all these places. And I don't know which database I found it in, but there was a medical concierge company in Minnesota that said they had the treatment. Um, but of course, they're open Monday through Friday, and it's Sunday. So we said, you know what, I'm just going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to call these places, you know, like it's four o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Yeah. So we took him back home, made sure he was taken care of for the night. Um, and then I woke up just five o'clock in the morning, my eyes popped open and I got back on it. So it just so happened that um, I filled out the form for this, this medical concierge company that comes directly to your home. They, they called me back like at 801, like the second they opened and assigned us a patient care coordinator and the process was smooth as could be. You know, they said, here's how it's gonna work. 
a nurse is going to call your dad. They're going to do a telemed appointment. The nurse will, if he qualifies for the treatment, then we will send a nurse practitioner to his home. They will do the exam. They will monitor him after they give him, you know, they'll stay with him after he gets the treatment for an hour, you know, and the whole thing was only going to cost us like $400. We're like, sign us up, please. Right. <laughs> Put us on your list. Yep. Let's how, do it. How incredible, like to think and what I have been thinking lately, even more so is the worst place to go is the hospital. Right. <laughs> like yep. almost just the absolute opposite of what everyone has been taught for years where to go when you're sick, right? Really, I think it's that blind trust that that we as humanity have had in the fact that the government will take care of us, healthcare workers will take care of us, hospitals are the safe place to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm just seeing more and more with all of these stories that whatever you can do to either stay out of the hospital mm -hmm. or find and vet and do all the legwork to know where you can go that's going to be right. like, quote unquote, a safe place that's going to help you, you know, it's going to encourage you to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Right. Well, and so, you know, like Tom said, my dad wears hearing aids. And even with them in, he doesn't hear very well, right? He's 77. And my mom was a nurse. She's no, you know, she died four or five years ago. But, um, you know, in the past, if my dad was sick, who advocated for him? probably my mom, she was a nurse, she could navigate the healthcare system, right? Yeah. But at any rate, you know, I am my dad's medical power of attorney. Um, and so I have advocated for him many times over the last, you know, a handful of years, but even more so um, in this last year, really since March 2020, because yes, if you, if you're sick, and have been sick anytime in the last is it 18, 19 months, there's a tunnel vision right now. So everything is coronavirus, mm -hmm. no matter what you present with, right? And so back last year, my dad, um, my dad had a heart attack in 2019, had a stint put in, but never felt right. And then of course, in the spring of 2020, when the world is being quarantined, or at least the states were being quarantined, and you know, we were being told that everybody's getting sick and dying of COVID. My dad's having shortness of breath and pain in his chest as a consequence of the stent procedure. But we took him in six different times to the ER and all they could look at him was like COVID, COVID, COVID. We don't know what's wrong with them, but it might be COVID. It was like, yeah. no, this isn't COVID, right? But they wanted to even admit him for observance on a COVID floor. In yeah. a room with other COVID positive people. In which case you could then get sick. Yeah. Right. And we still and have if, regular sickness out there. Right. And if Tom and I weren't on the phone talking to talking to the nurse and talking to the doctor, that's what they would have done, right? Yeah, that's so just to <laughs> interrupt you there. One thing I'd recommend for any of the listeners that are on here is there will be times when especially parents end up going to the hospital or something. And I strongly recommend that you uh, get on a speakerphone whenever there's a conversation going on so you can at least hear what's happening. Um, you know, we've heard horror stories of what's gone on in hot, and when uh, patients are talking to doctors and sometimes they end up going from a doctor's room into an ICU bed and there's 
no conversation with the family at all and not even a spouse because the spouse isn't allowed to be in there so having the speakerphone on I mean we started doing that mm -hmm. last year when mm -hmm. Vanessa's dad was sick and making sure that we were hearing everything the doctor was saying so you know I, I would strongly recommend that since people aren't usually allowed to go into hospital right. room well and and both Tom's parents and, and my dad are of the generation where they put a high level of trust in doctors. So mm -hmm. if the doctor says it, then there's, you don't question it, right? You just trust what they're saying. And it's not that um, what they're saying isn't, isn't trustworthy. It's that you should have questions when it comes to your health and be forward thinking about, okay, so if you admit him and for observance in a, and you put them in a, in, a, in a room with somebody else who is positive for COVID, what happens if he gets COVID? Like he doesn't have COVID today, don't you? You know, like you, you just have to ask those questions. And, and I, just, I just know that at least for, for my dad, Tom can speak for his dad. They just don't think about asking the questions. They just follow along with what the doctor says or recommends and they trust it, right? Well, I think we're in this, you know, it's it's a very hard time that we're all weathering and, and all in our own way. There's people who are waking up for the first time to some of these things like, oh, maybe my doctor isn't, shouldn't be on the pedestal that I have put them on for years and years, right? A lot of things coming to the surface, a lot of big tech censoring of the information on purpose. And I think it's just the questioning, right? The best thing that we can ever do is question everything and ask the questions, but also um, really on that topic of being an advocate. So if I'm understanding correctly, so Tom, your father was actually admitted to the hospital in rural Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, Minnesota and got monoclonal, right? Well, he, he wasn't even admitted. He, he okay. went, it was, uh, I think it was on the weekend or maybe it was a Friday night or something like that. But anyway, he went to the emergency room for symptoms, uh, you know, we, he had had symptoms for a couple of days and then Vanessa and I said, uh, you know, he, he really needs to go in and get checked out. And we were shocked when my mom texted me and said, they, they wanna give him monoclonal antibodies. And I was like, oh, they, they have that up in Ely. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and matter of fact, in, in this, uh, as my mom and my dad and the doctor were talking, the doctor even said to my mom, you don't have any symptoms yet. If you do a COVID test and you test positive, we can give you the antibodies as well. And I was like, oh, mom, I mean, do it, do it right, you know, right, right away if you can. Um, so he didn't, he, he basically right away got the antibody treatment, was there for about an hour, hour and a half. And then uh, well, and I think that's that. key because, you know, and Vanessa, for your father, it was really treating at home essentially mm -hmm. with a mobile unit. And a lot of people just do not know that these things exist right. or how to look for them or how to begin to question. Um, and so when I look at, you know, the different things like ivermectin and monoclonal and HCQ, really, I would say two of those being super villainized in the media, right? HCQ and ivermectin. And every time they do an article, it has a horse on it, even though there's human <laughs> ivermectin. <laughs> um, yeah. And then really there's not this talk about monoclonal, um, which, you know, I would love if you could share like what, how you came to your understanding and research about that, because what we're seeing 
is um, we're seeing many stories of people getting caught in the system of where their loved one is now getting admitted to the hospital. Um, maybe they've gone too late, so things have gotten too severe, right? So really taking that power back of what can we do at home and having the, the resources we need at home, which is a whole nother topic. But then they get there and they're given remdesivir, which shuts down your kidneys and shuts down your organs. And then lo and behold, they end up getting put on a ventilator and they, they pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what's happening, right? Versus mm-hmm. the other side of that, which is very, very safe options if people know about it. So I don't know if you right. want to share a little bit about how you guys have come to that place. Well, I remember them talking about them on Before you do that, just let me say... Um, I think the most important thing with the treatment of the, you know, the monoclonal antibody treatment is, um, is that not, don't wait. You want it, you want it, you want to use this treatment early on because it shortens the duration of the virus. It stops it. And, and so for Tom's dad, he had been sick for about five days. He was feeling miserable, right? High fever. I mean, he was sick. For my dad, it was earlier, it was a few days earlier. So he hadn't got to that point yet, right? He hadn't got to the miserable point yet. Right. Um, so the treatment is highly effective, but you want to make sure that you get it as soon as, you know, as soon as you you have symptoms and test positive. You can't be in the hospital and you, you can't be admitted to the hospital. You can't be on oxygen. And we know those things happen later on in the virus, right? So early on, early treatment, early treatment. So um, you gotta, you, you, you have to be willing, be prepared ahead of time is what I'm saying, right? right? So Tom can talk about the, the actual treatment itself. But so as, you know, as advocates for people that we love or even for our own health, right? We have to be prepared ahead of time so that when we are in that vulnerable position where we're sick, we already know what to do. What are the steps to take, you know, right? And the number of people that we've helped with supplements over the last, I don't know, couple weeks, like even though we've talked about, here's what you need in your cupboard, make sure you have vitamin C, make sure you have zinc, make sure you have quercetin, make sure you have an acetylcysteine, yeah. like, like we've said this over and over and over, right? And then now we have sick family members and we're like, do you have vitamin C? No. Do you have vitamin D? No. Like they don't have anything, right? right. So you have to advocate for yourself too, but you got to get the stuff. You have to have your plan ready. Yes. And you know, whether it's true, I mean, what Tom and I have talked about, we've already had COVID and we're recovered and we've got, I mean, I just tested my antibodies. I'm, I still have antibodies and we had it seven months ago. But at any rate, um, we just expected that we were going to get it. Just expect that you're going, mm-hmm. to, you're going to get it. At some point, it'll be your turn. Well, I think so, that's true. Is And my husband said that the other day, Aaron, because um, he actually has had, you know, I actually feel like it was the traditional flu is what I would say, because he didn't lose his taste and smell. But he's like, we're going to get it. Might as well get it now, right? And we actually think we got it back in December of 2019 when we were, traveling at Disney World and it was here well before that right yeah. mm-hmm. so we, you you are going to get sick at some point now again it's sort of that how severe is somebody going to get sick if they're not taking care of themselves if they don't have a very strong terrain a lifestyle right mm-hmm. but this 
fear that has been put into everybody of, of just literally the fear of somebody sneezing or somebody coughing. It's, it's crazy town. I love it when people, when I'm like at the store and somebody sneezes, no matter where they are. And I'm like, bless you, you know, because everybody else is like, eh, you know, yep, yep, definitely. at any rate, I just wanted to say that, that I, I we have firsthand experience with, with our, our dads who, like I said, would be considered high risk. Both of them have heart disease. They aren't the picture of health, right? They responded so favorably, favorably to this treatment. Mm -hmm. And both of them literally within 24 hours said the same thing. Do you think I can go golfing? I mean, so it was like, you knew they were feeling yeah. better, right? Yeah. Cause they were like, can we, can I, do you think I go out and golf? So. Well, and I will say in addition to that, they we're taking the supplements yes. that we would recommend yep. as well as soon as you yep. have start having symptoms. I mean, I would say to Jody, to, to what you're saying, you know, if somebody's serious about their health, they're already going to be taking a multivitamin, fish oil, magnesium, vitamin D, uh, some of those. But if you if you have this mentality that we're going to get sick at some point, just like you're going to get hurt, you have band-aids in the cupboard because at some point you're going to cut your hand. And if you don't have any band-aids in the house, that's, that's a bad decision. You're, and if you have kids with, and you don't have any band-aids, that's an even yeah, exactly. Decision. You're trying so, to stuff it with a paper towel that you yeah. take around yeah. your finger. Right? So that may have it's happened. the same thing with the supplements. Like you, you, if you're healthy now and you haven't had COVID yet, we'll have some of that stuff that's going to support your immune system when you get it so that you're not scrambling at the last minute, because uh, as you know, there's a there's a significant difference in product quality from what you're going to find at Target or Walgreens compared to the higher end nutritional supplements you can get practitioner based brands. Um, Young Living, I would put into the bucket of high quality stuff as well. So if you wait until there's a need and then you have to wait for next day or two day shipping or two day shipping's 50 bucks, but it's not two day because of COVID, it's four day, you know, then, then you're yeah. sitting on it for too long. So going back to your question on the monoclonal antibodies, though, I, I remember when it was probably this time a year ago where there was some discussion about it. I remember at the time, President Trump mentioning it and like everything else that he mentioned, it got shot down as uh, being inferior or risky or no, no data to support it or anything like yeah. that. And um, frankly, when my mom said, that um, they want to give your dad Regeneron. I hadn't thought much about anti the monoclonal antibodies in quite some time because it had been downplayed so much that you just didn't hear about it. In Florida, Governor DeSantis obviously was ahead of the game and uh, is continuing to try to be ahead of the game now that Biden has bought up the mm. uh, large supply of- uh, No agenda antibodies. there, no agenda. I know, I know. So, um, so I, when they- you know, when they said that they could get it, we knew that that was going to be helpful. It, at worst, it, it wouldn't make a difference, um, but at best it would help them get through sure. it a lot faster. Mm -hmm. So those that is out there. Um, ivermectin, if you don't live in the United States or you're an illegal alien, illegal immigrant coming into the United States, it seems to work and be safe, but you're a US <laughs> citizen, then it's not. Uh, you know, a, and we, we laugh about that stuff, but for those that are following the wrong news stations, they're not putting, they're not connecting those dots. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going back to some of these situations that play out in the healthcare system, 
I, I just want people to be aware of some of the hiccups that are out there. And so as an example, just today, I talked with my mom a couple of hours ago and she's finally got symptoms. And she, she has said ever since my dad got sick, um, gosh, I, I wake up every morning expecting that I'm going to, going to get it and I haven't gotten it yet. And so she has that mentality of it's going gonna, it's gonna to get me some, at some time. So she went to the clinic today to get a COVID test. When my dad went, they did a rapid test and they were able to tell him like right away, yes, you have COVID, we're gonna get you on Regeneron. Today, she went to the clinic to get a COVID test and it's not a rapid test because she didn't see a doctor first. To, hmm. and, and I don't know if this is a, the case across the country, this is her situation, but she went to the clinic because she didn't see a doctor, she got the kind of test that's gonna take a couple of days to get a result back. And I said, mom, you just said you've had symptoms for a couple of days. Now you got to wait for a couple more. So that, now you're four or five days in mm -hmm. before you're going to find out that you have something that should be treated as COVID. That's, that's dumb. So I, I had her call back, booked an appointment with the doctor so that she could get the rapid test so she could get the treatment done faster. But those are the things where I think a lot of people will just because they trust the medical system, they'll just say, oh, I guess that's what I have to do instead of being adamant to say, I know there's rapid tests out there. My husband just got a rapid test done last week or the week before. I want that and um, help me figure out how to get that done today instead of waiting for two days. We so really if you look across the country, you know, if the average person is having to wait two days to be treated longer than they should, well, of course, then the United States is going to have far worse outcomes with COVID than what a lot of other countries do. Well, yeah, not just that, but the, the actual hiding and censoring of treatment that, yes. that you know, people <laughs> believe that the CDC and the FDA are the be all end all, and they don't even realize that the CDC is a private entity. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and yeah, to the, the buy up the agenda behind now the monoclonal antibodies that Biden is going to take them all and then deliver them in an equitable way across the country. I mean, for anyone with a little bit of common sense, we know that the government, no matter who's in office, does not uh, do a good job of maintaining the inventory of anything and then disseminating <laughs> yeah. it across the country in a, in a reasonable way. So that's, that, at the end of the day, I, I suspect probably two thirds of those monoclonal antibody treatments are going to be unused. Oh, well, sure. And the other thing too is it, my opinion. Yes. So <laughs> it's been two weeks since your dad probably received his infusion. I think so. yeah, right probably two that. weeks. Yeah. So here we are two weeks later and his mom goes back to the same hospital, you know, in, in small town, rural Minnesota, the clinic, the hospital, it's all one thing, right? Um, they they say to her, we only have one dose of this of the monoclonal antibodies left. So, you know, so we say, oh, okay, well, now we're prepared. If if she gets her rapid test and she tests positive, and between the time you talked to her this morning and when we talked to her again this afternoon, she might have to come down to the cities to get it right. And that's a five-hour drive, four and a half hour drive, right. because somehow they only have one dose left in Ely. And maybe they aren't going to get any more because. Now we have the government in control of who gets, you mm -hmm. know, which they were in control a little bit before, but at any rate, now it seems like 
you know, you need to do your research ahead of time because yeah. you might. There's much more of an agenda there. Yeah. Um, How are you going to get it? Right. Yeah. Can I ask, um, and I feel like this is such a part of the narrative and conversation right now, which is pitting the vaccinated against the unvaccinated, you know, oh, it's the unvaccinated fault. And um, I know that your dads have two different stories with that, mm-hmm. but where, like, what research have you done? And kind of like, how have you come to your conclusion about what you are willing to do or not do? Because I think this is an important part of the conversation in terms of, you know, a lot of people just don't know, right? We have been, and, and, and speaking from experience, before my son was injured with those nine vaccines in one visit, I blindly trusted and I thought, well, this is what we need to do. And the measles could kill him and the chicken pox could kill him. And I think until something becomes really personal, a lot of times we don't ask the questions, right? So I don't know if you want to maybe share a little bit about maybe, you know, the research you've done and um, how that maybe played into your story too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I just want to, again, share our experience with um, how our dads ended up with COVID. We had a a birthday party for a grandson who turned seven and we had a member of our family come to the birthday party who was vaccinated, but who was sick and thought because she was vaccinated that she had either a sinus infection or bronchitis. She wasn't feeling well. So the day after the birthday party, she was the first to go get tested for COVID and tested positive. And then within three days, you know, we were getting messages, you know, my brother, Tom's dad, my sister's husband, right? It was it. So it went through everybody that was at the party. Um, Some were vaccinated, some were not, but everybody got it equally, except for us, because we've already had it, right? So um, natural immunity, right? I think that's important. Because again, uh, Satan wants us all to be divided, right? And to cause us to, instead of love each other, hate each other, right? And so none of us are upset with our family member who was vaccinated, who had COVID at her, you know, like we still love her, right? Um, we're not going to be divided over it as a family, but the narrative in the media is different. They want everybody to be against each other. Well, in our family, everyone expected that we would get it. And, and so when when we did, it wasn't like, oh, you know, it's so and so's fault or what, what, anything like that. Whereas in the rest of the world right now, there's a certain percentage a, that believes just a higher level of fear that too. we should be trying to not get it when this whole thing started. That was never that was never talked about. It was the slow the spread, not stop the spread. And anyone that understands the way these viruses can spread should know that they they will spread. You will get it at some point. Mm-hmm. You can't stop that. You can't hide from it. Um, it was, you know, it's funny. We so we had, in our backyard we have uh, there's about 20 deer at any given time that'll be back there. And uh, and Vanessa found like a, <laughs> this was about six weeks ago. There was a study showing that. In the deer population, deer like forty percent of deer are positive for COVID. Um, not that they're getting sick, but they carry the virus, and so we were sure that's yeah. how we got it yeah, from so, our deer in the yeah. backyard. 
if the deer are going to be getting it, chances are you as a human being living in the world is going to get it yeah. at some point. But at any rate, what I've heard kind of like, you know, like your, your husband, Aaron had said, I've heard from family members who have now got it and are on the other side of it. Oh, I'm so glad that we've got it over with now. Right. I'm just so glad that we're done. Right. My sister has four kids and she just was waiting, 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 mm -hmm. waiting. Cause what happens when you have four kids, right? It's like, it's got to go through each one of them. We were sitting around our kitchen table playing cards after the birthday party. And Tom's dad said, I just wish I would get it and get it over with, right? We're like, well, you got your wish. You got your wish because you got it and got it over with. But yeah. so I just wanted to, I just wanted to, I just wanted to share that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're being told that those that choose not to be vaccinated, like we're the problem here. Like this is, this is why we've got this you know, everybody's getting it now because we didn't get the vaccine or whatever, but that's just not the case. Vaccinated people are getting it and spreading it. Unvaccinated people are getting it and spreading it. It's an equal opportunity virus, right? Yes. And so um, we, we we're, we're uh, Tom can speak for himself, but I mean, we are for um, the, you know, that people need to make that choice and inform consent, of course, right? But, but um, you know, you got, you got to choose what's best for you, but it shouldn't be forced, you right. know, forced on us. And you, you know, your question, oh, sorry. you can get to your question. I know Tom's yeah. like chomping at the bit to answer the question, but <laughs> in terms of like vaccines, um, as I mentioned, my mom was a nurse. She was a labor and delivery nurse. Um, she worked in a natural birth center though. So she, she advocated for patients who wanted to have natural birthing experiences and, um, close to her retirement, she was a doula, but she was really all about natural childbirth. And so um, to have my mom be my own doula when I had babies, you know, she wasn't um, against vaccines, but again, my kids are 25 and 26. There wasn't the number of vaccines right. that were, that were, you know, available back then, but instinctively for me as a mom, they, it just, I would be like, why would I vaccinate my baby? It's healthy. You know, like I just had those questions and it never made sense. So, you know, my boys had a few, but they didn't have them all. You know, I knew to space them out. And at one point I was just like, why am I doing this? This is, you know, it, you know, like even the, the well baby checks and stuff like that, like it just instinctively didn't seem right to me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when everything came about last year and this whole talk about a COVID vaccine came, I don't, I don't need to do all the research to educate about them. I'm just like, it's just not for me. It doesn't feel right to me. Like my instinct tells me this just isn't, this isn't jiving with me kind of thing. But Tom is the one that's going to read every paper, you know, look at every study and that kind of thing. So for me, I mean, I make my decision based on how I'm convicted and yes, I just didn't feel right. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, I guess, so it would have been last I think last November I had written an article on mRNA vaccines and and explained the fact that up to that point there had never been one that had been rolled out to humans safely. And I, I think, you know, in this in in the world that we live in today, people think very short term in, in just about everything, the way that we spend, the way that we live, mm -hmm. uh, the way that we look at the safety of vaccines. And in reality, we won't know for five, 10, 20 years what 
the, this new type of vaccine could do. Now it might do nothing. And may, maybe those that are playing it safe and say, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I, I wanna err on the side of not getting it and just err on the side of natural immunity. Um, maybe, maybe we'll find out that we could have been a little better off had we gotten the vaccine. Some of the stuff that's coming up now where, um, you know, people that have had the had COVID and then they get vaccine the, the vaccine or vice versa, the outcomes can be worse. I mean, there are some uh, scary stories outside of just the uh, vaccine injuries, the number of cases of people dying or getting severely ill or sick from the vaccine itself. Uh, so, you know, it was back in November that that was the case. And like all of a sudden from November where speaking cautiously about the vaccine was more well accepted to fast forward now uh, nine or 10 months later mm -hmm. and to even suggest that means you are, uh, it's either misinformation or you're putting people's lives at risk. The only way it could change that dramatically is if we're being sold something in the way of how we should think, not in the, like the science hasn't changed in 10 months. We're nowhere closer to, well, we're 10 months closer to mm -hmm. a 10-year sight line of what the vaccine can do than we were before. Right. But 10 months is nothing compared to 10 years. So um, if someone is healthy and they choose to rely on natural immunity, especially if they've already had COVID, all of the indications from research, again, outside of the United States says natural immunity is is more powerful than um, the the immunity short-term immunity you get from the vaccine, which right. is why the booster shots are uh, now being talked about so much. So, I think you know, to me, right from the start, it was a question of prove to me that it's safe, because when doctors take on their career, the do no harm is a pretty common phrase that's beaten into the head of the medical community and. If there's the potential for people to be harmed by something that if they don't do it has a risk of still like uh it's less than a right a, a percent chance that somebody's gonna die from the from the from covid yeah um it doesn't make sense so i think questioning is more important than ever rather than taking people's words for it and then not relying on the news, whether it's MSNBC, CNN, or Fox, or any of them yes. to provide you with the answers. Um, ask, ask people on oppo from opposing sides, especially if they're willing to have a conversation together. But uh, <clears throat> if we're going to maintain health, uh, we have to question the health that we're being sold. And, and I know, you know, Jody, you've been in to health and wellness for a long time, as has Vanessa, you know, when for me to question the government's agenda about the vaccines and about COVID is a lot easier because I've been questioning their dietary recommendations <laughs> since I got into this 20 years ago. Oh, you It'll mean that 20 years in October. You mean that food pyramid that says you should eat gluten and dairy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Democrat George McGovern in uh, January 14th, 1977, published the first dietary <laughs> guidance for Americans, the DGA, yes. I think it was. It was a, that was the date that I was born. So it makes me, it makes it really easy to, <laughs> to, to know when that happened. But 
If we look at what they've done for nutrition, the stories that they've sold us on supplements versus pharmaceuticals, on health in general, I mean. And remember the registered dietitians that work in the healthcare setting are following the guidelines that the government prescribe when it comes to nutrition for the, you know, for us. And so, right, I mean, all you have to do is is do just a little bit of reading yeah. or research outside of and you and you go hmm that doesn't make sense or does it make sense right like you just and i'll just i'll i'll stop on that topic and um and i just want to say this that <laughs> i was re-recording my uh, audio article for hypothyroidism today and sometimes when i'm doing that re-recording it i'm like oh I, that that's right that finding was kind of interesting I had leukemia when I was five and um, uh, I had chemotherapy and I, I can't remember, I, I think I had radiation as well. But at any rate, in that article, I talked about how childhood cancers that are treated with chemotherapy can lead to low thyroid years mm-hmm. to decades later. And I do have hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's the cause, but that's a perfect example of how in the short term, I'm not, I'm not saying I shouldn't have gotten the chemotherapy. I'm glad that I lived through leukemia. But it's an understanding that back then there was no knowledge that down the road that could cause problems with hypothyroidism. When women have breast cancer and they get radiation, if their neck isn't covered, that can uh, cause a lot of damage to the thyroid gland. That wasn't probably well known when breast cancer was first being treated. And so we don't know today, anyone who says that we do, that they're totally safe is lying because there's no proof that that's the case and we won't have it for another decade yet. Well, we're going to have to have you back on to talk about some of these more <laughs> other topics because they're compelling too. And it all just kind of puts the puzzle piece together, right? right. For people. But I, when I think about the vaccine, I just, for me, it's three things, right? Does not limit transition, does not confer immunity, and it's questionable if it lessens your symptoms. So those three things right there, you have to question, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask one last question because I know we're wrapping up here, but when we're talking about this topic, this overarching topic of advocating for your loved ones, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give people who, and this could be, you know, the person who's like, I don't, I've never even heard of this before. Uh, I don't even know where to start or what to do. Like what, what encouragement or advice would you give them? Well, for, you know, if it's for uh, a parent or, you know, a senior citizen or even your spouse, medical power of attorney is powerful, right? Make sure you have that, that legal document and before, before, before your, your loved one is sick or before you have to advocate for them, right? Because a lot of times they may not let you make, make the phone calls, talk to the nurses, talk to the doctors kind of thing. So that one is, you know, we've, we've, We've had to navigate that with my mom who died of Lewy body disease, um, you know, and I do have medical power, power of attorney for my dad, you know, and that allows me to then discuss medical care for him with a healthcare provider without him having to, you know, be on speakerphone. The other thing, like Tom said, is, um, you know, make sure that if, if, your, if your loved one is, is being seen for anything, you know, they can bring their cell phone in and put it on speakerphone and then they can verbally verbally with with that healthcare provider give permission for them to discuss care with you so um our 26 year old son was hospitalized last fall actually it was right before thanksgiving 
he was diagnosed with um, bacterial pneumonia by an ER doctor, uh, likely due from wearing a, a dirty mask at work. You know, he worked in a warehouse, had to wear it for eight, 10 hours. At any rate, he ended up being hospitalized um, and uh, they wanted to take a different course of action after he was hospitalized, testing him for COVID multiple times, even to the point where the infectious disease doctor said they were going to stop treating him if he didn't agree to a fourth COVID test, even though he didn't have COVID. And so what I said to Jacob, you know, he's in isolation in a hospital bed, uh, you know, with low oxygen, sick as a dog. Anytime a nurse comes into your room or a doctor comes into your room to talk to you, call me and put me on speakerphone Mm -hmm. because otherwise things get lost in translation, right? He called me after the fact, distraught and crying at what they were saying to him about his, you know, his condition. And so I'd say, here's the deal, you know, from here on out, don't talk to anybody, call me, get me on the phone so that I can hear what they're saying. And then I can advocate for you. I can tell you what to say. I can tell you what to agree to. I can tell you what to decline that kind of thing. Um, because as long as that, you know, as long as you can do that, that works, but, um, and don't back down. Don't, don't, you don't, I'm just fierce about this. If you, if you don't feel right about a treatment that's being suggested, ask lots of questions and don't back down for your loved one. And then also go back to your loved one. Like when my dad, when they wanted to hospitalize my dad, when he didn't have COVID and put him on a COVID floor, I'd say, dad, does that make sense to you? Do you understand what they're saying? Explain it to them, right? Here's what the doctor's saying. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? Do you want to do that? You know, like you're advocating for them and then explaining the process to them, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's just asking questions. I don't know, do you have mm-hmm. anything to add no, to that? No. I mean, it's just like Tom saying to his mom today, mom, you call the clinic back, you tell them you want an appointment with the doctor and you want a rapid test. It's not a question, it's a statement. This is what I want done, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes you just have to be, not sometimes, most of the time you just have to be very forthright and direct yeah. at what, you're, what you want, you know? You are responsible for your health and you just, Imagine that we are responsible for our own health. <laughs> True. And sometimes you have to take responsibility for your family's health too, because they won't take. Yes. So <laughs> true. Know, not in an unhealthy way, but I'm just saying, you know, like. Yeah. Right? Well, because sometimes, again, they just may not know the information. Mm-hmm. And if somebody, you know, we say this a lot in the health and wellness industry that we're in, which is you, when you know, you do better right? No better, do better. But until you know, then sometimes, well, and that's the whole informed consent, right? How many people are actually getting true informed consent? And I would say it's none. <laughs> you have to go find it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for your time today. Um, well, we will definitely link that article too, Tom. So make sure you send me that info okay. and I will let you guys know when it's out. Sounds great. Hey guys, thanks for joining the episode today. As a reminder, you can connect with me over at thewarriorcenter.com. You can also grab my book, Autism Reimagined, on Amazon, available both Audible, ebook, Spanish, English, and you can also head to therighttorule.com for some freedom gear. Remember this, my friends, you are a sovereign human being and you hold the power.
not the government. See you next time.